happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie, I've got Caitlin. the eyes. I've got yeah. the teeth. I've got... Look out the window. I've got the car. <laughs> Look at the look out the window of the basement I just dragged you into to yell at you in. After nearly trying to suffocate you to death. It's me, Nicolas Cage. I'm just I'm in my uncle's movie right now. <laughs> in one of my most dialed back performances of my career, oddly enough. Oh my god. I know. Isn't that I thought that too, and I was like, that is shocking because he is being so weird. Truly. Um well, Caitlin, now that you have yelled all of your qualifications of why I should marry you. I guess I will settle for you not once but twice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Love that. Love our future yeah. together. <laughs> um, uh, hello and welcome to the Bechtel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus and this is our podcast where we take a look at your favorite movies using an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point for a discussion. Caitlin what mm-hmm. is i mean you got the eyes you got the teeth you got the hair you got the car got the which car. is true i don't have the car you do have the car and you always have <laughs> you really rely on me i kind of do <laughs> to get from point a to point b sometimes i do uh yeah. <laughs> art imitating life yeah you're the nick cage in our relationship which uh <laughs> i don't know what that says i'm honored <laughs> so uh we use the bechtel test as a jumping off point for discussion but caitlin what is that anyways the Bechtel test is a media metric created by mm-hmm. queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test. Mm-hmm. There are many different variations of the test. The one that we use is that two people of any marginalized gender have to have names and they must speak to each other about something other than a man for at least two lines of dialogue. And ideally for us, it's a more meaningful conversation to the narrative. If that happens, we are cheering. We are clapping. We're celebrating. We're saying, we love it. Yes, queen. Go girl, boss. Way to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's in a movie that is uh, directed 
by a man because you just don't see it coming. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe Francis Ford Coppola directed this movie. What a weird choice. He really pulled this one out. I wouldn't, there are a few, we were talking about this earlier. There's like a few shots in this movie that you're like, oh yeah, this is a Coppola movie where like when the cake is rushing towards her, you're like, oh, right. That guy. Mm. That first mirror scene? Yeah. yeah. The, the scene that is supposedly in a mirror that is not a mirror? Not a mirror, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, are my eyes just failing me right now? Or is this two actors <laughs> who are pretending to mirror each other? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> There's so much going on. We're covering Peggy Sue Got Married today. And we have a returning guest that uh, I'm so, we're so thrilled to have back. Let's Let's get her in the mix, baby. She's a comedian. She's got a new special coming mm. out and a new album, mm. both called staycation you remember her from our episode on groundhog day it's jackie cation yay it's me i feel welcome welcome back well well we love having you here (laughs) yeah and staycation's out it's so out it's been out for like three weeks it is out currently okay but it's super fun it's free find it my last name stay the word stay Cation, K-A-S-H-I-N. Do whatever you want. But uh, Incredible. Yeah, it's out there. It's out in the world. There's no excuse not to listen to it and watch it. It's free. Jackie, what is your relationship with Peggy Sue Got Married? My relationship is a little complicated. My brother Russ is a delightful human being in many ways and a button busher in other ways because he's my brother. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. uh, he loves movies. And honestly loves some terrible movies he has been known to say out loud if it has one good scene i'll watch it (laughs) and you're like that is a low bar my friend but uh he is an econ professor he did an episode of the Mm. dork forest about hallmark movies where he showed me his spreadsheets last christmas his spreadsheet yeah yeah he did a great spreadsheet about how much they cost to make who got most of the money who were the recurring uh directors and actors and actresses and uh yeah it's pretty outstanding and this is one of his favorite movies okay really wow how weird is that yes (laughs) yes he says that he calls it an adult back to the future okay i think it kind that's of that's interesting yeah i would call it a less fun back to the future <laughs> right <laughs> which is a way of saying adult yeah <laughs> True. Yeah. right and it has i mean the thing about this movie that was fascinating i mean there's so many things that are fascinating about this movie mm-hmm. but those tiny scenes of the powerlessness and the repetition of women yeah in this thing he's like he also called it uh sort of he said it was like diner, okay. but it was only about the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. There's so hmm. much about this movie that's fascinating to me because it does take like such a high concept premise and focus it so much. And it like chooses to focus on things that are pretty like pragmatic and mundane. It's very interesting because a movie like Back to the Future is largely focused on the external goal of trying to get Marty McFly back to his timeline in 1985. Right. So it's very like rompy and plotty. Whereas this movie takes that high concept, like you said, Jamie, but it's like, but let's explore the character arc. It's more of a character study than anything. I, I love, I kind of <laughs> love it. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, by the time he was done talking about it, I was like, yeah, no, it is kind of a great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because she goes into this thing, and you can't change time. 
So she's going to make this mistake again. But the character herself has changed fundamentally because of whatever time travel, coma, whatever this was, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And she comes out of it more in charge. Like, because she went in going, I feel humiliated. Remember that line? It was, uh, do you feel humiliated? Do you feel less than? Do you feel worthless? Yeah, yeah. And good, good. <laughs> because that's how she felt when, he, when Nicolas Cage went with Janet. Right. And... And she comes out of it with more power, I think. Uh, that's an interesting argument. I would argue the other, the opposite. <laughs> I, oh, really? Yeah. I feel like there's so many ways. I, I'm still kind of figuring out how I feel about how this movie goes. Because I feel like there is a way to read it where you're like, oh, this is the first time I saw it. It made me sad at the end. But then the second time I saw it, it didn't make me as sad. Like, it's just, I don't know. I, I really like taking a huge premise and then taking it in a weird direction because this is just like a a woman in her early 40s taking a look at the choices she's made in her life so far in a back to the future style premise which is like so weird but it's but it's I've never seen anything like it and I saw this movie I saw this movie in 1986 in the movie theater Mm -hmm. and I was infuriated it was sad it was it was I found her kind of pathetic and irritating and I was like why did you make these choices but watching it again I was like every single person in that in that timeline Mm -hmm. were like well marry me and go work at this chicken farm for me so that I could write (laughs) marry me and support me while I'm a musician marry me and give me great tech ideas so that right. we can be billionaires right. and um which I that would have been the option I would have gone with it's like I'm going with pantyhose guy right, right. exactly <laughs> and, and then every like her parents and her and her mom and her grandmother and you know there was nobody who who said don't get married nobody who said are you going to go to college nobody said what do you want to do ever mm-hmm. right so i left that movie the first time going Ew. And the second time I watched it last night, I was like, this is a real slice of life of some Americana here. Because it was 1960, right? Mm -hmm. Her dad is in the fucking hat business. Do you know when (laughs) men stopped wearing hats? 1961. Uh He's about to be so fucked. (laughs) He is so bucked, and he just bought an Edsel. Oh, because they stopped wearing hats because John John Kennedy didn't wear hats. Oh, so hats went completely out. So <gasps> if you owned a hat business, you were fucked. Blowing my mind. That is so like wow. there. I'm I'm excited to kind of dig into that side of it and like kind of the historical because that was something that stood out to me as well of like something that is frustrating to witness, but also seems authentic to that time of like. She is, and and it made me wish ultimately that we had spent a little more time in the 80s with her because I feel like the movie started in such a cool, strong place where it's like she's, you know, kind of torn between this, you know, middle class white woman 80s paradigm of like, do I want to be a liberated woman? Do I want to strike out on my own? Or do I want to stay in this domestic situation and figure out who I am there? And she has one friend on each side. Right, with Nicolas Cage in a wig, who's like, I think, 22 in this movie, but he's playing 45. Whatever. Like, But I I like that push and pull. And Sofia Coppola? Yeah, baby Sofia. Yeah, played her younger sister. Jim Carrey's in it. Helen Hunt is in it. Helen Hunt. Joan Allen is in it. Yeah, Joan Allen's in it. Was that Wilford Brimley? 
Was uh, it? Maybe. Maybe. I, I might be wrong. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Who played her grandfather, who had that great line, why have a lodge if you can't have funny hats or something? That was a great <laughs> uh. They were obsessed with hats. Um, yeah, I just, like, there's there's so much going on. I'm excited to get into it because this, I'd, yeah. I'd, my history with this movie is that I had never seen it before. I just knew that I liked Kathleen Turner and that I was going to like it based on the fact that I liked Kathleen Turner, uh, which did bear out as expected. She's so amazing. (laughs) But I, I, yeah, I I knew very, very little about this movie. I feel like it's a movie that's maybe, um, I don't know if it's like, you know, under, it's not very discussed, I don't think. True. Yeah. But I think it's very worthy of discussion. Like once I watched it, I was like, oh, there's a... There's a lot of there's a lot of shit to chew on in this one. I'm I'm very excited to mm-hmm. talk about it. And I even though so much of it made me sad, I liked the movie <laughs> and I'm glad that it exists and it exists kind of the way that it does because it feels like such a almost like a weird kind of like little historical document of taking a, a woman who you meet her at this crossroads and then you go back and get context for like, well, how do you get there? Which is cool and I feel like you don't Especially, I mean, I just don't expect that in a Francis Ford Coppola movie is to get like a deep character study of a middle-aged woman. Didn't know. Didn't know. Mm. Didn't, yeah, did not call it. <laughs> and everybody, and I thought the depiction of what 17-year-olds are kind of like was kind of great too. In the fact of all this emotion and all this angst. Mm-hmm. I was like, ugh. Yeah, not, not for $100 would I go back. They were real horny. It was stressful to watch. Super horny, super emotional. Yeah. Very confused. Yeah. Caitlin, what's your history with this movie? I had also never seen it. Oh, okay. I was a big fan of, again, Back to the Future mm-hmm. throughout my whole life and still today. But for some reason, a, a similar movie with a similar premise that came out one year later. Yeah. Oh, didn't, yeah. Didn't see. <laughs> it's a very different movie. I mean, I think the the main plot of Back to the Future is don't be attracted to your son. And <laughs> like the main thing is like, don't do it. It's it's right. like that. That is the message is that, you know, it's weird yeah. and it's not OK. Be careful who you fall in love with in high school because it might be your time traveling son, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, a very specific and not very relatable theme. Um, but hilarious, <laughs> weird B plot. Hilarious, weird. Right. It's very, very strange. Yeah. And yeah, this movie, this movie explores a far more in theory compelling character arc but again the way her arc still like, kind I, of pans out is up for debate i think it is compelling i think it's something that can be depressing and compelling at the same time absolutely it just made me sad the way it pans out but we'll we'll get we'll get there yeah in the meantime i will do the recap okay jackie feel <laughs> free to jump in at any time <laughs> yes okay so it is 1985 again this movie comes out in 1986 but we open it's 1985. We meet Peggy Sue. That's Kathleen Turner. She is getting ready for her 25-year high school reunion. Mm-hmm. She and her, I guess, early 20s daughter, Beth, Helen Hunt, are talking about best dad slash Peggy Sue's ex-husband or soon-to-be ex-husband, Charlie. I went into this movie completely cold. And so at the first scene, I didn't know that she travels back in time mm-hmm. in it so I was like why do these people keep saying that they're 45 they're very obviously not <laughs> um, but I did like that um, I feel like 
there are so many movies that um there are so many movies that if there's a time jump like the facial changes will be so distractingly large that you can't even really engage with the movie but instead I like that the casting split the difference and they're like, well, we're going to cast people in their late 20s, early 30s. So they kind of don't look like a teenager and they kind of don't look like a 45 year old. Uh But like you could buy into either and it's fine. It's a very community theater approach. And I think it works. Right. (laughs) So Peggy Sue and her daughter are talking about Charlie, who we see on a commercial on TV. He is played by Nicolas Cage. Peggy Sue hates and resents him because he was cheating on her throughout their marriage, mm-hmm. which has led to them getting divorced. Uh, then she heads to the reunion and we meet a lot of her friends from when she was in high school, uh, such as Carol, Maddie, Maddie is Joan Allen, Walter, played by Jim Carrey, also this guy Richard Norvick who used to be a nerd and now he's a millionaire. I sort of forgot that um, when a nerd becomes a millionaire, that didn't used to be a scary thing in a movie. <laughs> it used to just be like a thing that happened where now you're like, oh no, you know, Elon Musk, you have to get away from this person. <laughs> but at this time it was like, oh no, he's lovable. Mm-hmm. Right, right. He's he's just a, he, he's the lovable um, success guy who got pushed around in high school. Right. Yeah. Reminds me of Alan Cummings' character in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Also directed by Coppola. No. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh, my goodness. So Peggy Sue is talking to her friends. She tells them about how her marriage fell apart. Uh, She explains that she and Charlie got married too young, and they ended up resenting each other for all the things they feel they missed out on. Peggy Sue never even dated anybody else. She mentions this guy, Michael Fitzsimmons, who she wishes she had gone to bed with in high school when she had the chance. She says uh, if she knew then what she knows now, she'd do things a lot differently. Peggy Sue is so (laughs) self-aware from the moment one. She knows exactly why her divorce is. I'm like, are you in therapy? Like, you're killing it. She's like, I know exactly why. She's like, I hold anger for him. But also, you know, neither of us got to explore our lives before we settled down. Mm -hmm. She's emotionally intelligent, that Peggy Sue. I like her. (laughs) Truly. I wish she had a better husband right i wish she had chosen such a mess of a kid i yeah. know what a mess. twice twice it twice. is it, in some ways it is a shakespearean tragedy because imagine picking the same loser twice <laughs> oh, frustrating and that loser is charlie who mm-hmm. right then shows up at the reunion it's awkward between him and peggy sue then the reunion elects a king and queen richard norvick is the king and peggy sue is the queen but as she's giving her acceptance speech she faints because women be fainting and then <laughs> i know that women be fainting women be fainting but i liked this faint i don't know what it was about this i mean i i do know what it was it was like it was just scary for a for a minute like i feel yeah. like that scene did a good job of putting you in her head of like because sometimes women be fainting in a void but uh-huh. i was like mm. <laughs> at least in this i understood why she was be fainting. it worked for me too yeah 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 and you got to move the plot forward. So good for her, them. Faint. <laughs> the plot must go on. That's true. She got a bonker head or the movie can't start. <laughs> right, right. Can't happen. <laughs> so when she wakes up, it is 1960. She is in high school again. Her friends are there. Charlie is there. 
she has the memories and consciousness of her fully adult self, but everyone perceives her as her high school self, um, even though she is visibly in her 30s. <laughs> right. funny. And he has always looked 40. Always. Yes. I don't care if he was 20 years old. He has always looked 40. Even though he's 22 in this. Mm-hmm. It's He did bizarre. not look. Yeah. yeah. What a goony looking dude, man. Truly. <laughs> He, I was, I mean, I, we'll get into this a little later, but there was a lot of like sparring about how the production of this movie went and like Kathleen Turner and Nicolas Cage ended up getting into a lawsuit Mm -hmm. over stuff. Like, yeah, there was some interesting stuff going on. It sounds like everyone was being uh, messy. This was just a messy one. Messy. Yeah. Yeah. So then Peggy Sue's friends take her home. She reconnects with her mom her younger sister, Nancy, played by Sofia Coppola because nepotism. Mm. She reconnects with her dad, who also gets her in trouble for getting drunk because she's like, I'm 43. I can drink whiskey <laughs> straight from the bottle. And he's like, no, you're a teenager. Anyway, Funny. the next day, Charlie picks her up to go to school. And he's like, hey, remember how we talked about how we should see other people? I think it's a good idea to do after graduation. That way I can focus on my music for a while. And then we can settle down and get married. And she's like, Mm. fuck it. Let's break up now. And it's the best line because you're like, oh, good. (laughs) Good. She's not going to do this again. Right. 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 Which makes it so like, oh, you were so close. Mm. (laughs) It's so like. She, and and I get it because sometimes you 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 break up with someone you're like this isn't right and then you date a different person and you're like oh this sucks in a totally different way <laughs> but then date a third person yeah don't go back to the first person mm-hmm. there's always a third person out there <laughs> that's gonna hurt you in a in a new and interesting way right you're gonna build and then yeah. a, and then a fourth person and then a fifth person and so on and so on. and it'll go on and you'll never find someone <laughs> the- literal story of my life. Uh- <laughs> So then uh, she is not dating Charlie anymore. So she's kind of like focusing on school for some reason. She's uh, She flunks an algebra test. She admires that classmate, Michael Fitzsimmons, who she wanted to bang back in high school. Mm-hmm. He has some hot takes on literature. And she's like, wow, he's so intellectual. <laughs> it's Kerouac. He's such a <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I don't like Hemingway. I like Kerouac. I was like, they're the same guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> One has bowls and the other one is like the road man and LSD. And you're like, shut up. <laughs> Truly. It's so, I mean, it, it's Kevin J. O'Connor, right? Yes. Yeah. It's so funny because I feel like the movie has to keep telling you he's a good writer because when you hear him talk, you're like, this sucks. This they is also horrible. have to tell you that he's good looking. And because uh, <laughs> you're like, that guy? Like the picture of him running, you're like, Right. What is with his face? Anyway, so, I mean, there's classically good looking, and then there's Nicolas Cage movie good looking. So, you, right. you, you got to have some comp. I mean, Jim Carrey's in this thing. So, Jim Carrey is looking beautiful as usual. Nicolas Cage is really uh, actively distancing himself from how he looks in this movie, which I also was reading production notes about where he's like, whatever uncle uncle daddy like i want to wear a wig and fake teeth and talk like gumby and he was like <laughs> okie doke nick do whatever you want have a career on me when kathleen turner was fuming right she's like 
there's not a chance she would go with this guy ever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. so. he's such a dweeb. Wait, Ugh. Jamie, real quick. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey hot, you say? Question mark? <laughs> oh, I was going to let it go. I was going to let it go, but I, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Are we not all on the same page about Jim Carrey hot? No. Interesting. <laughs> I feel like if you saw young Jim Carrey and you didn't know he was Jim Carrey, you would say hot. That's my opinion. Not for me. There might have been a window when you saw Jim Carrey and you're like, that guy's giving me the Peter Tingles. And, uh, <laughs> and then that's enough. But Look, I've been known to have eccentric taste, but I say, I've, I've said it before. I don't know if I've ever said it uh, on the show, but I'm glad we're putting it on wax. Jim Carrey hot. <laughs> Okay, you're alone there. So sorry, sorry <laughs> okay, to not back you up. Alone on the Zoom call. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we're we're told that this Michael Fitzsimmons guy is brilliant and hot, and <laughs> Kathleen Turner likes him. So we're like, okay, I guess. Then Peggy Sue approaches Richard Norvik, the current nerd, future millionaire. She asks him if time travel is possible, and then she convinces him that she has time traveled from 25 years in the future. I like that he believes her. That's so sweet. Yeah, it is. It's such a nice moment. I do wish there are multiple moments in the, we'll get into this, but in the flashback, I feel like the 80s premise sets you up for a movie that's going to be about her relationships with her female friends. But then once you go back to the 60s, it's all about these three guys. I was hoping you would spend more time with the with with friends. the three friends. You're right, but I also like that Richard believes her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. And then one friend disappears entirely. There's a a character named Rosalie who we'll also discuss, but she appears in the uh, flash forward and is kind of introduced as like a close friend of hers. Yeah, and then she's like not there in the. Who was she married to? Right, because the movie keeps defining women by who they who are or to. who they will be married to. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we don't know anything about her character named Rosalie Testa. But then she like doesn't appear at all in the flash. I don't know. I that was I think that was like my it was jarring. My actual like writing disappointment. It was like that you were just focusing on like kind of Richard, Michael, and Charlie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you do get the relationship with her mother and her sister. Like it's it's not just them, but I in terms of like at school, it kind of was like more Carol, more Maddie. That relationship with her sister was kind of cool, you know, where I was just like, where she's like, I regret. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I wanted to know, how did you break that? What did you do to Nancy? Right. That you don't hang out with her anymore. You're busy hanging out with Charlie. I thought that maybe Nancy had died. Like, yeah. The way that she's so excited to see Nancy. I'm like, what happened to Nancy in the current? In the current timeline. Do we know? Do we ever find mm- out? No. no, we never do. I would have liked to know. Mm-hmm. I think a more interesting version of this movie would be you spend more time in 1985 learning about Peggy Sue's kind of broken life and failed relationships and then her traveling back one of them can be a romantic relationship fine but i'd it should be like a bunch of different areas of her life and a bunch of different relationships that like she has to with all of this hindsight she can now figure out like how to repair this or how to not make the mistakes in the first place you know stuff like that but instead it's just like i'm gonna date one guy and then kind of another guy and then be friends with a third guy and give him give him a bunch of million dollar tech ideas and then mm-hmm. <laughs> the end <laughs> anyway um okay 
So she has convinced Richard Norvik that she is a time traveler, and this is the beginning of a friendship with him. Meanwhile, Charlie is trying to win Peggy Sue back. He takes her to a party. Uh, She sees him perform music, and she's kind of smitten again, even though she's like, his music ambitions are going nowhere because he's an appliance salesman in 25 years. Um, well, I thought that that scene in his when he's um, he's works at a record store, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Do you know anything about classical music?" And he's like, "No, but sales is sales, right? Mm. You know, it's, essentially, he's a salesman. Yeah, he is not a musician, right? <laughs> Which like tells you everything you need to know about him. Uh, but but his life story is so sad too. Where it's like, oh, it's tragic. He gives up on his." God, where that scene at the end, the whatever. When we get to the end of this movie, oh, the no. last ten minutes of this movie are such whiplash. <laughs> like I watched the last ten mo- minutes back a few times because I was like, "Is there any world where I can interpret this as like good for them?" I just couldn't get there. What we know is that they all lived, and Helen Hunt seems to have her shit together. But the thing is, is it's so weird because to back up a little bit when she drinks all that whiskey mm-hmm. and then finds out that he's and we find out he buys an Edsel and then we find out that he's in the hat industry and mm-hmm. um, and then like a couple of scenes later she comes home and her mom is selling her jewelry mm. oh I missed that mm-hmm. oh there's this tiny scene where she's like I'm going to vote Democrat don't tell your dad Right. she mm-hmm. was talking to a pawnbroker right 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 right, right. Yeah. oh my gosh so her her dad is a guy who cannot get his act together either it's so uh, all the men in this thing except for wilford brimley if that was wilford brimley um <laughs> seem like just not really great dudes right right who, right. who have these grandiose ideas of themselves mm-hmm. that never manifest and the women around them are picking up like she's always done for charlie I thought that that was I I totally agree like that setting up her dad as like this guy that obviously she loves very much yeah and like even when he like makes the reckless purchase that clearly puts the family into debt of getting this car she's like oh you always do stuff like this and like when you're it's so interesting there's like the little moments in this movie that I really like a lot of them are with her family it made me wish that you saw her family in the 80s or at least knew what sort of became of them right right because she has a son Right. Mm-hmm. Where's he at? Scott, <laughs> but who like... is not named after Wilford Brimley, but the daughter <laughs> named after the grandmother. The grandma. Yeah. God. But it's like you see you see why she's kind of attracted to I mean, whatever. It's kind of a hereditary thing. She's used to a guy <laughs> who really puts on a show and then has the woman in his life pick up and tolerate stuff after him and I like that little moment with her mom that I think might be in that same scene or in a similar scene where her mom is sort of gently warning her against this personality type where she's like you have to learn how to stand up to Charlie because we've just Mm -hmm. seen a scene where she is quietly cleaning up her husband's mess and it's clear she doesn't want that for her daughter and that's such a generational thing I feel like especially for these two generations of you can't fix this problem loudly or that's not customary. Uh, but she wants a better relationship for her daughter than she had for herself. Yeah. And then that mm-hmm. doesn't happen. And it's so sad. Like, it's just so sad. Well, But there is a recurring theme that does sort of sell the fact that we all just go through life. And then at the end of it, you can't really change anything. So you have to be 
psyched about the things that you do still love, like that, that you did right. And she always talks about missing her kids. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do like that. Yeah. And that was kind of beautiful. And it was just, it was also in the moment, like in the time it made you go, yeah, you know, I, of course, that's all you're accomplishing is you, br- you, you bred a couple of kids and, and they aren't a mess, I guess. <laughs> right. And that's uh... like, I hope Scott doesn't work for Crazy Charlie. Mm. I hope Scott has a music career. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I was, there's so much about Peggy Sue that it's like, we are never, and I, and I wonder how, I guess I'm, I'm curious of what you both think of like, she's never presented as someone who is particularly ambitious. That's, that's strictly attributed to her husband who had mm. a huge ambition and failed in a spectacular way and took out his anger at failing on Peggy Sue. Mm -hmm. We're never told that she has a particular ambition, but she's also very emotionally intelligent and highly motivated to understand the choices she's made in her life. But none of them are in relation to her work or like we're told that she, I think, owns a bakery? bakery? Question mark. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's right. She owned a bakery. Where's that at? Right. We know nothing about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. I feel like it's a little complicated because it's like not... Not everyone has huge career ambitions, and that's not like a prerequisite for being a person. And that's like okay to see reflected on screen for someone that isn't like I want to have this huge fucking career and do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was kind of like, but like nothing, you know, nothing outside of your romantic relationship you want to examine. Yeah, it, w- it was jarring that nobody asked her. Right, it was jarring right. that she never said anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's that scene where she's with Michael and they're going to have sex and she's like, all right, I want to be a dancer. And then he's like, let's go to Utah and you can raise chickens for me. And she was, and you're like, you want to dance? Counter offer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since when does that, is that, if she does want to dance. I would love that. Her, but is that true? Or is that just like her being like silly in the moment? We know nothing about. Was she just stoned? Yeah. Right, right, right. Like yeah. we don't know enough about her kind of backstory or like any of her, yeah, her ambitions or, or just interests. It would have, it would have been cool to just explicitly know, you know, cause it's like, even if the answer to that question is like what I want in life is to enjoy my family and my friends and to like work as much as I need to but like work isn't the most important thing to me but it's just like tell us what does she want besides Mm -hmm. to understand Charlie who sucks because there are some (laughs) genuine beautiful moments in this movie and some real cool nuggets and some revelatory moments of 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 stuff but this movie genuinely feels like i'm watching real time someone make bad life decisions <laughs> yeah. And, yeah it feels like a real slice of life mm-hmm. where you're like this is a life i didn't want to see a slice of and parts of it are very beautiful and so i i get why my brother loves this movie because he 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 has such eclectic taste like he loves every kind of movie from hallmark movies to like cinema paradise like foreign right. films and he he likes right now he's into german musicals whatever from the <laughs> 60s anyway um but i will say that yeah i just i do want it to have a good ending though i want her to come back right and be able to say to charlie i need some time 
I don't want to be with you. You could come over on Sunday for lunch with your kids in the house you paid for. <laughs> it's so like yeah it's so uh i i i think that you say maybe i'm trying to you know overly empathize with this person who doesn't exist uh, <laughs> but, which i've been known to do but um but yeah like a slice of life from a life you don't necessarily want to see a slice of i feel like sums up this entire movie in a, in a way where you're where even and it's like you see these kind of close brushes that she has with something more but then she has no interest in it like even there oh i wrote at some point in my notes like that thing about her giving richard the idea for pantyhose and then her becoming like the biz like he has the science and she could have the business acumen and he literally says to her like you're amazing you could do this we could do this you're Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. a whole movie that i would want to watch is them stealing the idea for pantyhose and (laughs) like seeing how that affected the future timeline but it is like the way that even the way that time is treated in this movie is is kind of depressing because it's treated like well no matter what she does differently here this is an exercise for her internally. It's not going to affect anything in her future. It's never even suggested that it might change anything in her future. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the existing timeline, but she, I, I would posit that she comes back stronger. I would posit that she has learned from this history and has come back stronger. For sure. But she does look at the end of the movie like she's going to make the same mistake. Anymore. Right. She yeah, is. I, I think she comes back with more... I guess just like a clearer understanding and more she comes back wiser, but the choice that she makes is what makes me argue that she's kind of succumbing to, I don't even know, like cultural expectations or something. It's so, it, it's like, I don't know what, maybe there's a, maybe there's a German word for this where it's like, <laughs> she goes back gets so much more information, really, really thinks about it, and then makes the same bad. So she's making a more informed version of the... the it's more same. sympathetic the first time when right. she's a kid and she doesn't know any better. But she's like, no, yeah. I'm 42 years old and I've really looked at all of my choices and I've decided that this fucking guy is 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 all that I'm going to... He's the one. Yeah. And you're like, Bleh. Oh, goodness. Bleh. Let me finish the recap really quick. Sorry. Yes, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've had half the discussion then, already. That's true. That's true. It'll make our jobs easier later. Okay, so where was I? Um, Charlie is is charming her. She's getting horny about it. There's a scene where she suggests they have sex. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What? I thought we were gonna wait till marriage." And we are like, "Wait, this character is a teenager, and her character is in her forties, and it's absolutely not okay." <laughs> Either way, he freaks out and takes her home. So then Peggy starts to pursue Michael Fitzsimmons, the, like, I love Jack Kerouac guy. (laughs) Jack Kerouac fanboy. (laughs) Yeah. They bond, they smoke pot, they kiss. And then do they have sex? Or is it implied that they have sex? Yeah, they do. It's implied that they have one starry night. Right. Okay. He writes a poem. Yeah. They have so much sex, she gets a whole book about it. That, yes right <laughs> yikes he loved that night yeah yeah he really it's it stuck with him yeah that's the only thing that it changes in the timeline isn't it that with the book the starry yeah. night gets that's that reminded me i re- maybe this is a reference for no one um there <laughs> was an aaron carter music video and an aaron Car- carter song called how i beat shack do you remember this song caitlin no i don't i'm sorry okay it's aaron carter uh nick carter's little brother from the backstreet boys uh, he's probably nine or ten. He made a little song, a little song, a great song, <laughs> called How I Beat Shaq. 
It was about him having a dream about beating Shaquille O'Neal in basketball. <laughs> There's a fun twist at the end of the music video and song where he wakes up. He's like, oh, it was all a dream. I can't believe it. I didn't. I, a tiny little nine-year-old boy, didn't beat Shaquille O'Neal at basketball. But <laughs> then he wakes up in a jersey that says Shaquille O'Neal, suggesting that perhaps he did beat Shaq. Oh, and wow. the Starry Night dedication is, for me, the inspiration for the music video for How I Beat Shaq by Aaron Carter. I'll link it in the description. Please. It's a delight. Have you guys seen the Katy Perry Pokemon uh, song called Electric? Yes. Mm. Wait. Yes, 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 yes. Man, there's It's also very weird. Music is magic. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's Katy Perry singing Electric. (laughs) It is. I mean, she loves Pokemon. I'm not going to say she shouldn't. Anyway. (laughs) She's really um, expressing it in the most interesting way she could think of. Mm. Uh, okay, so the Peggy Sue uh, keeps hanging out with Richard. Uh-huh. She helps him invent some stuff that she knows will be popular in the eighties, and then she boom also gets boxes. boom boxes. <laughs> Love it. She also gets the idea to invent pantyhose. Then Charlie comes around and apologizes for freaking out the night before. So she's kind of like, uh, do I take him back or not? Um, her friends and her talk about their futures and who they might marry. And they're supposed to grow up on a cul-de-sac with their kids growing up next to each other. But when, when she, in the beginning of the movie, she goes to the reunion. It doesn't feel like she has spent 25 years with these people. No, no I, she yeah. hasn't seen it doesn't I which I think is kind of a fun detail is like, of course, the way you say things are going to be when you're 17 with your best friends is unfortunately, famously never how it goes. Right. <laughs> you right, lose right. touch. You fall like what was it the Helen Hunt character who's like, I'm fucking off to New York or wherever and I'm having a whole sex in the city side quest like <laughs> everyone's going to go off and do their own things. And then you're, I don't know, I am still pretty close with my friends from high school, but not like, you know, living on the same street close. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. I uh, talked to one friend from high school and the rest, I know nothing about what their current situation is. <laughs> they, they come out after about 25 years, you meet them again, and then mm, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're okay. <laughs> you grew up in the in, ensuing 25 years you're no longer that jackass i mean i don't know that i would ever want to see vicky emberts again but that's because she made me eat dirt in junior high so oh <laughs> so, my god yeah she Jeez. beat the hell out of me and jammed my face into the mud this is so, um, an anti-vicky podcast fuck vicky yeah, we ended up at the cop shop you guys anyway um okay. it was the it was the 70s it was the 70s we said cop shop Good lord. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. (gasps) How does it end? (laughs) Well, speaking of violence, um, then then there's a scene where Charlie considers smothering Peggy Sue with her pillow while she's sleeping because he is upset that love of her life that she was hanging out with Michael Fitzsimmons Mm -hmm. they have a fight she tries to break it off again knowing it doesn't work out for them in the future but he's like I love you but then he storms off the weird thing is when he shakes her when they're in the basement (gasps) oh my god that felt felt actually very much more violent I thought that the pillow might have been a joke but the the shaking, I was Hard like, to say. calm down. That's the... dangerous. Yeah, that yeah. was like that was a very uh, scary thing to do. I was like, is is there violence in their future relationship if this Ooh, guy's going to shake right. her? 
Well, it's like... It, I mean, I might be extrapolating. The second he asked her to go to the basement. Yeah. It's like, this is where I'm going to lose the body. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah. That, I mean, that... There are so many reasons for the odds to be stacked against Charlie as, like, a viable... Right? I mean, there's so many reasons for her to break up with Charlie before we even go to 1960. Oh, yeah. But that one, I was just like, this is... If she ends up with him, which I was convinced for most of the movie that she would not... I thought mm. that she would do, uh, you know, I'm gonna be single for a while. I'm gonna figure some. I'm gonna figure myself out. I'm gonna take some time and not and and not less than twenty seconds. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wait. Fresh out of a concussion, and you're like, yeah, this is the great time to agree to go back with your piece of shit husband. Oh God. Give her a day. Yeah. Charlie, come on. Yeah, we're almost there. First, there needs to be Freemasons and their time travel ritual. Um, <laughs> Wild. Hats. Lots and lots of hats. So weird. Okay, so then Peggy Sue breaks things off with Michael Fitzsimmons and goes back to Charlie and they talk about his musical ambitions and she seems to be warming up to him again. But she's also freaking out about still being stuck in 1960. So then Richard Norvik is like, well, you can change your destiny and marry me. And she's like, no. Why? Yeah, which fair enough. Oh, my right, God. Right, fair. Then Peggy Sue visits her grandparents. This made me cry. Right, because in her present, they have died long ago. And her parents. Everybody's dead. It, it seems that way, yeah. Yeah. And maybe Nancy. Maybe Nancy, we're not sure. Either she's on the outs with Nancy or Nancy died. I'm like, what? Yeah. Was there a fire? Like, what I happened? I think she's just a, maybe estranged from Nancy. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, she tells her grandparents that she time traveled, and they also believe her. She's like, I miss my children. There's also this locket that she has that uh, has pictures of her children as babies or so she thinks question mark um well no no because the locket in the beginning of the movie they were color pictures of her babies uh when he actually gives her the locket it's black it's and black white and and pictures white. and it's them so it's them as babies oh. yeah they just look the same because okay. one's a boy one's a girl and they are breeding and whatever okay so. yeah that was confusing it's to me that wasn't super breeder. clear yeah. um, breeder logic but it <laughs> It turns out that Peggy Sue's grandpa is in a Masonic cult in the Freemasons. Stag films and poker. Right. America. <laughs> and the, they perform this ritual to send <laughs> her back to her present. But before that can happen, Charlie comes in and snatches her away. And they all just go get the cards. It worked. Right. As far as they're concerned, they helped a teen woman who's actually in her 30s time travel. <laughs> and, <laughs> but that didn't happen. Instead, Charlie is still like, hey, marry me. I can support you. My dad gave me 10% of his business. And she's like, no way. I'm not you know, out of my mind enough to, to marry you twice. But then he gives her her beloved locket. And then he's like... I love you. And she's like, wait, I love you too, Charlie. And you're like, no, no. I know. And then she wakes back up. And you know what sends her back in time? That dick sends her back in time. Because... <laughs> Isn't that the like greenhouse she gets fucking pregnant in? Right? Yeah, Doesn't she Nick, like? I think I think Nick Cage's dick sends her catapulting through time oh and space, which I would believe. God. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So then she wakes up in 1985, like in a hospital bed. Charlie is there professing his love for her, 
and she's like, wow, you never gave up on me. And then she invites him over for dinner, and it seems like they're going to get back together. She is literally all he has. She is literally the only constant in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She deserves better. We did miss We did miss uh, when she goes with Michael to the R&B to the Black Club. Yes. And sees mm-hmm. the R- him singing R&B. I... And then she wrote a hit song that was, I was like, is it the Beatles? What is she stealing it here? It sounded like she was trying to write the Beatles and he couldn't execute it. And well, she's it like, was, wow, he really a is a terrible musician. Song. Right. And he changed all the oohs to yes or all the at yes to oohs. Right, right, right. I love you. Yeah, yeah. And he changed them to oohs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my god, yeah. No instincts. No. Instincts. At least Richard okay. took her word for it and invented pantyhose, or whatever. <laughs> so, yes, uh, my favorite invention from history. Um, <laughs> let's the legs egg. It might have been him. Oh my god. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we will come back to continue discussing. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we are back. We're back. All right. So we have already discussed a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. I guess I, since we've already discussed it so much, uh, let's let's put a little bow on this discussion about her marriage, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, because I think we've we've been discussing it throughout the recap. I did find. I mean, the last ten minutes of this movie where you're spending half of it with her and Charlie in the '60s and half of it with her and Charlie in the '80s just made me so profoundly sad for her and in a way that it's like (laughs) i'm so sad about what happens but i don't think that it makes it a you know a bad movie it's just like wow what a bleak uh, 
you know, this is something that happens. I mean, of course, like particularly women who, who grew up in the environment that we're seeing her grow up in, where the idea that she could do something on her own has never floated, suggested, encouraged in any way, shape or form. The only mm-hmm. way that she is like, uh, you know, spoken to is like, well, who are you going to marry and how are you going to survive, basically? Mm-hmm. And and so you're given the context of why she makes these really sad choices. But this first scene where, I mean, it's just so sad for both of them where you're like, oh, God, you guys are both just like such a prisoner of this era where Nick Cage comes into the greenhouse after, yeah, like smuggling her out and like physically like he's too. I don't like how he is touching her the whole movie. I don't like it. Mm-hmm smuggles her into this greenhouse and then says some of the most depressing shit I've ever heard. He's like, look, I just decided today I'm going to give up on my dream. Uh, my dream is dead. The dream is dead and, I, and I'll get you pregnant right now and then the dream will be double dead. What do you say? Like, it, what if what if I just gave up on fucking everything right now? Is that sexy to you? Yes or no? And that's and then and then you flash forward and then and then it's like it's almost scary where she's like she says in both of these scenes she says no and then she thinks about it for one second and then she says yes okay that happens in the 60s and then the dick catapults her to 1985 and then she's in the hospital room and the same thing happens again where he's like i i love you you're the best what do you say like let's try it again and she says i need that scene yeah yeah she basically says like i need some time i want to think about it and then he like kind of pouts in the same way he did in 1960 and then she says okay fine actually you can come over tomorrow and it's implied that they're going to get back together and it's like oh so you learned (laughs) nothing peggy sue you learned nothing well the weirdest thing for me was that she he asked her to marry her in 1960 and she goes, no, you gave up your dreams. You're going to resent me for it and mm-hmm. it's going to poison our entire relationship and then you're going to get with Janet. And he's like, you're nuts. You're a hysterical woman yeah. saying things that mm-hmm. aren't true. And she was like, am I? And then she's like, all right, I guess we're, we'll get together. But I do think that the the locket thing triggered that thing that is that is reiterated through the entire movie where the only thing she's proud of are those two kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I think it's that more than the dick that catapults her back <laughs> into that relationship. Yeah, that was my read as well. I have this question. If there had been different casting, wipe your mm. mind of <laughs> Nicolas Cage and his weird hair and teeth is- issues. And it's Tom Cruise. Mm. And they cast Tom Cruise or Michael J. Fox. Mm. I think it would be a little different. I mean, I still ultimately, the way it's written, I can't see myself ever being like, she should end up with Charlie. I do think that if it was perform, <laughs> I don't think Nicolas Cage's performance really helps you in endearing yourself to this character in any way. Like, Shape it's or very, form. He's impossible to root for. He's impossible. He's unlikable. Right. It is ridiculous. Well, this is something we notice on the show a lot where like, if... And we have formerly called it the Steve Buscemi test. You know, we're we're tweaking the the name, but let me say that's not nice. <laughs> right, we gotta change it. But the idea is that if usually a male character is exhibiting creepy, stalkerish, predatory behavior, a lot of times a movie will present that behavior as being actually cute and charming, as long as it's a classically handsome man who is doing it. But if you, you know, plug in Steve Buscemi Steve and Bu- Con Air, <laughs> right, right. Uh, then 
it's more noticeable for people to see that it is actually the creepy stalkerish behavior that it is no matter who is displaying it yeah but the movie is trying to suggest that oh no it's actually charming when ryan gosling threatens to jump off a ferris wheel in the notebook to try to get rachel mcadams to go out with him etc right so it's like this movie doesn't maybe doesn't recognize because it's like such i mean and i and i like nick cage a lot but like it is such a nepotism casting choice to do um that (laughs) maybe the movie doesn't recognize that they're actively demonstrating this test that we've been talking about for years (sighs) of like what if we did put someone deeply unlikable in the romantic hero position how do you feel and the answer is not great good not Not wanting kathleen turner to end up with (laughs) him because conversely, she's in Romancing the Stone mm-hmm. with Michael Douglas. Right. And Michael mm-hmm. Douglas is not... I still haven't he's, seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Romancing the Stone? Mm-mm. Well, that, that would be an excellent choice uh, because it's he's not great either. He's a mess. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they spend most of the movie hating each other. But then, of course, what happens at the end? They fall in love and kiss. So, guess, guess, guess. <laughs> the classic Hollywood formula. Yes. But for me, the big thing with this movie is setting up this idea that she feels she missed out on some stuff and it led to resentment in her marriage, which for Charlie manifests as him having affairs. And she even says, you know, if I knew then what I'd know now, I'd have done things differently. But then she doesn't do things differently. She makes the same mistake. But (laughs) and then she's given this second chance where she time travels back to her high school self. And then she uses it to she blows make out and have sex with a teenager. Like, let's not forget that. That is that's tough. But it's like but I, I, I mean, just like the core thing of like. Everyone is like, oh, what if I could do this over? What if I have a second chance? And it's like, but what if you just fucked up in the exact same way? Oh, like that is. But I don't think that's what the movie's saying, though. I don't think the movie. I know, is but positive. that is what. Ha- that, but that's what's happening, right? <laughs> the movie is positing like, oh, but they're such a good match, and it just took her needing to go to travel back through time and see how devoted he was to her for her to realize that they should be together. I think that's like what the movie's saying. I think, yeah. We're watching this and just like noticing this missed opportunity for her to go back and like learn things about herself and to discover new interests and discover things that she did miss out on and then she can actually pursue now. But instead it's just like, no, she should make this horrible mistake twice. And and the weird thing is you said is is she's a forty two year old woman and we see her using her knowledge of psychology and and maturity and growth to shut down the asshole woman. The woman who's a, a real yeah yeah yeah, but she's she's an asshole in the eighties and she's an asshole in the sixties, mm-hmm. so she never gets better. But Peggy Sue uses her her maturity and her, and her the knowledge of being a forty two year old woman to shut her down in high mm-hmm. school and the bad teacher. Mm-hmm. But she also uses that same forty two year oldness to to get to sleep with Michael. What's his face? Right. And, right. And he's Which, 17. again, is creepy. And that's creepy. And I don't think I really thought about that until you said that that was creepy, Caitlin. So I think you are. Uh, right. But, well, the movie doesn't present it that way at all. Yeah. But again, because she's in her 
like 43, 42, whatever year old consciousness that she has, all of those memories, all that wisdom. She's has the mind of a 43 year old and she's having sex with a teenager. And that is gross. And she does that with two different characters because it's uh, right. And it's like, even if it's consent legal, it's fucking weird and i feel like that's something that we've yeah we've talked about that in so many episodes because it's just like this little sneaky hollywood trick that is used constantly i feel like in this movie it also is downplayed by the casting choice which is like both of these actors are in their late 20s early 30s so it looks completely above board consent wise it looks okay right consent wise and it's a woman doing it to a man which i don't know yes i mean as it's become because it was never it used to, I remember when I was a kid, guys being like, if I could get some older woman, you know, to fuck me, that'd be great. And you're just like, no, no, it's still not okay. And then mm-hmm. and then sometime in the 80s or late 80s or the 90s, it started coming out with women teachers sleeping with their boy students mm-hmm. and adult men going, no, no, that's, that's a rite of passage. That's a thing. And it's become more and more like, no, it's still an no, adult. No, it's taking... also predatory. It's, right. It's yeah. super predatory. and But it, yeah, it is this Hollywood trick that they're playing in 1986 because it's a woman mm-hmm. and it's somehow okay. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, yeah, so many like media. I mean, that, I mean, we we don't even have time to get fully into it. But the, the whole, you know, like long media tale of like tolerating that and presenting it as a rite of passage. I feel like that has so much to do with it. It's like, Mm -hmm. because, you know, media of all types presented this as like, oh, well, in certain cases, um, it can be predatory. But in but when it's an older woman preying on a younger boy, generally, well, that's just a rite of passage. And you should be grateful that it's happening. Right. Or if if it's an older man in Gigi, I don't know if you ever saw Gigi. Yes. The musical Gigi. Mm-hmm. But um it's an older man with a with a girl who's twelve, eleven years old when he meets her, and he essentially is she's being groomed Ugh. for a guy just like him. And then they get married, and then it's this the the greatest love story in the world. My ninety four year old great aunt was just talking to me last weekend about how much she loved that movie. Such a beautiful Ooh. story. And I was it's like, like Ugh, run it back. Uh, we'll link no Lilia podcast in the description. Yeah. You know, there's... Right. I, I have a historical note that I don't know mm. if it'll de- derail us oh. from the actual Bechtel. But um, it's, you know, it's 1960. He's 17 years old. Why doesn't he go to Vietnam? Ooh. He doesn't go to college. Interesting. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. Whoa. Is he a draft dodger on top of everything? <laughs> yeah, he dodged the draft. Wow. I mean, not the worst thing, but uh, yeah, hard, hard to say. Well, I had a historical note as well. I mean, this this movie clearly is making the choice to I mean, it's so hyper focused on Peggy Sue's a very specific corner of Peggy Sue's life that I feel like, you know, you're given this something that we see in a lot of movies, this very like rosy look at the past, uh, especially with this era. I feel like you get it a lot with the fifties. This is technically 1960, but it looks like the fifties where there's no real acknowledgement of like social upheaval. Like you were just saying, Jackie, like there's all of these, you know, it's you're in an American white suburb and it's presented as like, now these were the days, which always when when i see this now it always feels a little insidious because it's like well so much has to be erased for us to just like live in this basically like poster this kind of like false version of reality um right that again it's like this movie has 
it's it's so bizarre to me that I can I, like it's just bizarre to me the direction this movie chooses to go because it's so like specific where it goes that and it feels like kind of a lot of these story opportunities are left along the way because it's so focused on Peggy Sue's how like why Peggy Sue got married that is the movie's only (laughs) intention like that is its mission why did she get married Mm -hmm. when it's like there is like I mean 1960 there's a fuck ton of stuff going on that could have been integrated into the story in a more interesting way I was honestly surprised that because it did feel like there was room for commentary on the values of the 60s right and how maybe those values clash with the more modern values of the 80s or like you know how peggy sue with her knowledge of history how you know she could have some takes use her powers for good right something like that Mm -hmm. but the movie doesn't bother to go in that direction at all and not to say that like every movie has to have like biting socio-political commentary or anything like that but the movie just completely ignores it and the only for example the only people of color in the entire movie which takes place during the civil rights movement are kind of in the background seen on stage Mm -hmm. with nick cage because he's secretly he secretly performs at like an r&b club sometimes yeah which is just presented as like something that makes him quote-unquote cool because of his proximity to black culture and then it's just dropped it's just and then it's gone. yeah yeah would have been cool for the movie to explore and comment on the cultural landscape of the 60s and how it compares to the culture of the mid 80s especially since peggy sue would be viewing the 60s that she's in right now through this more modern 80s lens that she just came from but that's not what the movie is about i guess yeah Uh, Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more discussion. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford. And I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. 
And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I just want to like close out my thought on the just bizarro direction this movie takes, especially because, again, what's what to me feels like is being set up is her being given this second chance to discover some interests, discover some ambitions, to learn about herself, to not make the same mistake over again with Charlie. And it feels like that's really the, the direction it's going to go in mm-hmm. when she's giving this speech to, I think it's Richard, when he proposes to her and he's like, you know, you can change your destiny and, you know, marry me instead. And she's just like, no, Peggy Sue got married, case closed. And then she says, I don't want to marry anyone. I know. As if to say, like, she has been defined by the fact that she got married very young and she doesn't want to be defined that way anymore. The movie is like setting up this arc where Peggy Sue realizes that her value has more than just her relationship with Charlie Mm -hmm. and that she's like going to discover all this stuff about herself. But then it just ends with her realizing that she's actually loved Charlie this whole time and that she should get back together with him. Right. And how is anything going to change? Right. Right. I mean, it felt like a haze code moment almost at the end where... (laughs) Where, yeah. like, he and she invites him over to the house, right? Mm-hmm. It's either that or it's like, is this an existential piece? You're like, you can you can search the world for answers, but, but yeah, you know, you're, you're fucked, baby. You're fucked. Like, you're just like, <laughs> God. This is your destiny. It's so bleak. And I want to be clear that, like, as we've always said, a woman having a hetero relationship with a man is not anti-feminist like we are just simply commenting on the cultural expectation that a woman should get married to a man or must be married to a man well and i think it's like the lack of anything else is more more what i'm concerned with here it's like you know whatever a relationship is a wonderful part of any life if it's if it's good and it's what you want but it's like but this is the defining event of her life and and she resents that she seems to resent that but then the movie has her continued to be defined by it at the end. And it just like, it's so dissonant and weird. It's so weird. It makes me so sad for her. (laughs) Right. It makes it weird. It makes it weird and sad. Even if there are some amazing filmmaking, there's some really cool storytelling within it. For sure. That that really does an amazing job showing us some depth to these characters. Like I, I don't want to watch it, but I'm more interested in a movie about her mother. Mm. yeah you know like her mother just making ends meet chipped beef with rutabagas her father's favorite what a weird what dish (laughs) that i that you know what it feels it feels like she's making ends meet and she's convinced peggy sue's dad that that's his favorite and (laughs) right i can't yeah uh it's very yeah it it is like a very very strange i mean i've just never seen a movie like it it's so high concept and yet so preoccupied with something and the ending is so like you just don't expect a back to the future style premise that came out right after back to of the future to end in this kind of sad 
way like why is it end so sad i know that the movie doesn't want you to think it's sad right. but even if, it, if even if you don't think it's sad it's a very quiet ending to a very high concept story yeah there's no like delorean there's no and the loop is closed there's not gonna be peggy sue got married too like <laughs> i'm trying to imagine what a peggy sue got married to she goes back in time it's actually now the 70s and she just thinks everything's going great but he's sleeping with janet and then at the end she's like well i guess i'm just gonna stay married to him again and then it'll just keep happening and happening god so depressing oh, poor peggy sue a, f- a few stray because i know we're, we're running short on time a, a few stray things that i wanted to note um, so I think we we already kind of touched on this, but I I felt like the the beginning of the movie gave her a pretty interesting connection to the women she went to school with, and then that kind of went underexamined in the sixties. They mm-hmm. to the point where there's a joke made about it. Like she Peggy Sue asks her friends to spend a night with her, some time with her, yeah, yeah. and they're like, ha ha ha, no, and then you never get that scene of them talking to each other really. Like, mm-hmm. so that was a bummer. Literally, I- they're sitting in three chairs going. Did you screw Michael? And that's uh-huh. the only real moment they have. And then it's, it's date night. Walter's coming over. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? And she's like, let's have a sleepover. Let's hang out. And they're like, grow up. Grow up. No. And yeah. then that's it. Like, which is like a funny joke. But I was like, oh, we're, and then we're just never going to see them talk again. Interesting. It makes me want to uh. see Diner. Because if it, if this is, like, my brother thinks this is the woman version of Diner. I don't, I've never seen Diner. I saw Diner. I've never seen Diner. But Brag. but this movie, I feel like this movie doesn't deliver on the relationships with women that are set up. Because I really liked that when she goes to the high school reunion, she goes to her female friends right away. And they start gassing her up. They're like, oh, that's great that you're getting a divorce. Do you? Blah, blah, blah. It's really nice. And then also when she goes back to the 60s, the first people she wants to see are her her mother and her sister. And like she, you know, kind of blows Charlie off of her. She's like, I don't want to see you. I see you all the fucking time. I want to see my mom and I want to see my sister and I want to have like this bond. And like the same thing with her grandma. Like she has very, very strong connections to the women in the story, but you just don't really get to see. They don't play out. Or have an arc with them. You only see the arc with Charlie. Right. So that was a big bummer. Um, yeah, does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? I like that it has a quiet ending. I like that that feels more cheerful than just more of the same. Yeah. I I, I like to think, but I'm a lady in the tiger kind of person. Mm. And where I want, I want it to be the lady. I want her to have, like, what she's learned is she's got better boundaries now with Charlie. That's what mm. I hope happens when when we stop watching. I mean, I hope I hope that at least there is an adjustment made. I mean, if she really wants to stay in that relationship, uh, but I just I well, don't know if it's going to happen. Here's, I love that she loves her kids, though. That is nice. And she seems to have a really good relationship with her daughter. And we see that actually on screen. Yeah. her. Oh, I love that first scene where her daughter's like, Mom, you got this. You're hot. Wear your weird dress. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> it's cute. I take comfort in this. Since the ending it's kind of ambiguous. We don't know for sure if they will get back together, even though the movie is clearly heavily implying that. But because it doesn't explicitly state that, and we don't like see like a scene where they're renewing their wedding vows or something like that, or they don't sign the divorce papers, maybe it is just that she's like, okay, you can come hang out with our children and we can try to like be on friendly terms, mm-hmm. but I'm going to, Go. I'm gonna turn this bakery into a into an 
awesome gig. Or <laughs> what about the bakery? Right. Where does this fucking bakery come from? She, and then they they take time out in the like they make a point in the eighties for her to say, "Oh, are you the manager?" No, I own the bakery. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so you own a bakery? Like, why couldn't that be something that you always wanted from the sixties? So we can give this woman something yeah. that she <laughs> right. wants to own a bakery. It's the most rom com thing in the world. But fucking whatever, give her her bakery. Right. Have her want that. Like, ugh. Jeez. Anyways. Yes. Such a bizarre ending. And the freaking <laughs> weird, like, 11th hour Freemasons time travel ritual they perform is not even the weirdest part. Okay. I thought that was, that was, I mean, <laughs> Freemasons are, like, chaotic evil, but I thought that was a very fun, I mean, like, it's fun. Coppola but, choice. That was another thing that I was like, oh, Coppola movie. Okay. I guess but maybe this would where happen. does it come from? It feels so out of place <laughs> in this movie. I mean, I didn't hate it. I think it's very funny that this is randomly at the end of the movie, but uh, totally yeah. another dissonant thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> The movie uh, does pass the Bechdel test. It does. We see Peggy Sue talking to her sister about board games. We see her talking to her mom about different things like her hair and her clothes and her grandma. Uh-huh. Uh, I think most of the conversations she has with her friends don't pass because they're always talking about boys. Right. Mm. My favorite scene that does not pass the Bechdel test is when her mom is like, have you ever heard of a penis? And Peggy Sue is like, yeah. And her mom is like, well, stay away from them. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) Iconic. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, But even though a lot of scenes between women, uh, they are talking about men, there are a fair number that do pass the Bechdel test. So, yes, there's that. It ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. As far as our scale, the nipple scale, Mm -hmm. uh, in which we evaluate the movie from an intersectional feminist lens, zero to five nipples, I would give this, oh gosh, I'll give it a one (laughs) and a half. What, what's gotten a five? Very few things. Oh. Almost nothing. And, and we don't even stand by all of our fives over time. Yeah. Right. I think like Moana got a five. <laughs> um, have, have they gotten zeros? We've given oh, zeros. Sure. We've given negative nipples. <laughs> um, it's, you can do freeform jazz on the, I mean, it's <laughs> on the scale. Yes. I'm giving it a one and a half because I like... Peggy Sue as a character I like that we see this emotionally intelligent woman who is confident in herself and Mm -hmm. it's just that all of her potential is squandered because the movie has her make choices that don't even align with the character that they develop for her it doesn't make sense like I feel like there's another 20 minutes of this movie (laughs) that is sitting somewhere yeah Yeah. maybe there is Maybe there is. I read that there was a lot of this movie that didn't, it was shot very quickly and that it sounds like there were, there was stuff that either wasn't shot or didn't make the movie, including the character. And I think also the only disabled character we see in the movie, Rosalie, mm-hmm. who's in the beginning and then is cut from, I think that she was supposed to be in the whole movie I read, but uh-huh. um, there wasn't time or it got cut. Mm. I mean, and again, it's like, and I don't believe that that character is played by a disabled actor. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There, there were threads that you're just like, well, where did that person go? Where did that story go? Right. I want to believe that there was more, but I don't know. Right. There, there's got to be. But what, with what we're given, it's dissonant and it doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> like Peggy Sue is a level-headed character who seems to understand herself very well and understand her surroundings. And yet the movie makes her 
make this choice to get back with Charlie, even though it doesn't seem like that character would make that choice. Right. But Hollywood is like, we need a, a happy ending. And a happy ending is when two hetero people kiss and are in love, even if <laughs> the man is terrible. Even if we've been spending two hours <laughs> realizing why this is a bad idea for both of them. <laughs> what a treat. So, yeah, it feels like a very, like, of the era. I think if like this were to be remade today, it would be like again, the thing that I pitched of like Peggy Sue being like, "Wow, hindsight is 2020 and that guy sucks and I'm not going to get back with him and I'm going to yeah. learn uh how to invent boom boxes myself." I don't need a man <laughs> to And it's interesting cuz it could have been that in 86 too. Like it could kind of could have gone either sure. way in that era and mm-hmm. this this one uh just does not. It, it didn't. I was thinking of my mom the whole time and I'm like, well, at least my mom made a different choice in her one timeline at some point, you know? <laughs> she actually did do the divorce. Yeah. She actually made a divorce. Like, there you like go. was the right idea. Yeah. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Peggy, she was right from the get go. Get out. Yeah. 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 You <laughs> still do have out. your kids. Right. Right. <laughs> you don't lose your kids if you get it. If you divorce Nicolas Cage, that is just famously a truth of this world. Right. Look at Look at Elvis Presley's daughter. <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so two nipple or sorry, a nipple and a half. One and a half Caitlin. nipples. I'll mm-hmm. give one to Kathleen Turner <laughs> and I will give the half nipple to Helen Hunt, her daughter, who's in the movie for four minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna do I think I'll go two for this uh, we didn't get to talk much about the production but this movie was uh, written by a married couple one of so there there is a woman co-writer on this movie mm-hmm. I, I think that it is uh, you know unique that there is a Francis Ford Coppola movie that's a character study of a woman in her 40s uh, that is sure. scraps but I do think it is it is interesting I, I am so depressed by what what happens to Peggy Sue? I want better for her, um, but I do appreciate that you know she is the character that we learn inside and out. Even when we find her frustrating, even when we're like you're fucking up so bad. I feel like the reason that we're so frustrated that she's fucking up so bad is because we really get to know her. We get to like see. I feel like there's often in in stories like this. It's like, oh, she's the protagonist, but then you spend the whole movie learning about like her boyfriend's family for mm. some reason. And this movie does not go that way. You really do learn who Peggy Sue is, where she comes from, the culture she came up in, and why that culture, you know, motivated her to fuck her life up with Nicolas Cage. It's not a happy story. Uh, I know we're supposed to think it is. I don't think it is. But I, but I was really, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this movie has to be doing something right. If I'm so sad for Peggy Sue at the end of the movie. Right. Um, Right. Right. So a uniquely bleak take on a time traveling movie. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I will want to watch it again soon, but I love Kathleen Turner. I liked seeing her in a role like this. Just watch Romancing the Stone with me. Or War of the Roses, where where they kill each other and she throws Michael Douglas's hand off of her dying body. She's like... (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit! War of the Roses is brutal, actually. I I don't recommend it. (laughs) Danny DeVito directed it. Oh, oh, right, I did know. Okay, okay. So I, I... I haven't seen it, but I did know that he directed it because I think that Polly Platt was supposed to direct it originally. Oh, wow. Um, 
Okay, so so yeah, I'll, I'll go to uh, I think is an interesting character study that made me want to die. Um, <laughs> so, and also you know, super white movie it didn't need to be. There were story opportunities to you know do other stuff that mm-hmm. this movie just didn't do. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give one nipple to Kathleen Turner, and then I'm gonna give the other nipple to Penny Marshall, who almost directed this movie, yep. and I would have loved to see the Penny Marshall version of this movie. Same. Oh, me too. Yeah. Right? Holy smokes, what a different movie that would have been. Yeah. And it would have done. It would have solved my problem, which is Nicolas Cage being in it at all. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, I. I. I just because of how beautifully shot some of it was and and mm-hmm. how these there were these nuggets in it that kind of reminded me of jaws in the way that it has mm. these background stories these complete stories that are in the background the hat thing i didn't notice until my brother told me about it but i'll tell you that hat thing the fact that the guys in the freaking hat business in 1960 and buys an edsel and she sells his jewelry this jewelry business and that sort of that tiny plot of that and the and the you know just sort of these like really weird kind of and the, and the the draft thing and there were just sort of there were interesting parts of the movie that that I liked it I'm going to give it two and a half nipples I'm going to go Ooh. halfway I love it because I'm I'm glad I watched it again mm-hmm. because I had such a visceral when I saw it on the list of possible movies to watch I was like oh, that damn movie <laughs> but so who am I giving the nipples to I guess I'm giving them to Kathleen Turner uh-huh. and then I have to give it to I got to give it to the mom mm-hmm. the actress who played the mom mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to do kind of a trifecta I liked I liked uh Sofia Coppola Sure. I did. I thought she did a good job. I'm gonna give it to the to the generations. I almost went grandmother. Gonna go little sister. Yeah. Yeah. Go little Sophia. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for coming back and discussing this movie with us. What a treat it's oh my been. Gosh. It was so fun. What a deep dive you guys do into every movie. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you for coming on. Come back anytime. Bring us bring us another wild card. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> and if either of you want to be on the Dork Forest, you're always welcome. To be on the Dork Forest. Oh my oh gosh. My, yeah. That would be amazing. Well, speaking of the Dork Forest, tell us about your podcasts. Tell us about your special and your album and, and all that stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. I have a podcast called The Dork Forest. We are in our 16th year of, uh, of, of different episodes where people talk about what they love. The Dork Forest can be about anything. It can be about bees. It can be about Canada. It can be about Bob Dylan. We, I just did a Sandman LARPing. It can be so nerdy. Uh-huh. It's a live action role playing uh, five games covering Neil Gaiman's Sandman over 15, 20 years. Whoa. And it was amazing. So, Have you ever done Chuck E. Cheese? No, but I would love to do Chuck E. Cheese. Oh. Uh, Caitlin, what would you, what might you, what do you got? Oh my gosh, Paddington Bear. <gasps> Paddington. Paddington Bear? Yes, yeah. I would love that. I okay. did have not seen either of the movies. <gasps> uh, you gotta oh, see them. The She'll sit you down. <laughs> She'll sit you down. All right. Hook me up. And then, so that's the Dork Forest. And then I do a podcast with Lori Kilmartin every yes. week where we discuss stand-up comedy and we celebrate and bitch about it. And so we do a lo- we do our own little Bechtel test Love it. with it. And it uh, turns out stand-up comedy fails it on a regular. 
And then I have, uh, yeah, I have five albums out. They're all streaming on Pandora, Amazon, iTunes. They're playing on SiriusXM. Uh, Spotify just took them down because of some sort of, I wanted more than four hundredths of a cent for every spin. How dare so, you? Well, as, how dare I? And so, but the new special and then the album, which is of the same name, is called Staycation. Get it? We were all home for a little bit, and my last name's Cation, and it's a God, masks. I love it, hilarious. And it was, uh, and it it did did good on the lists, and it's super fun, and it's free. So YouTube, Google, Staycation, S T A Y K A S H I A N, and you can watch for free on YouTube, or you can listen to it wherever you like. And thank you very much for having me on. Oh, Jackie, thank you're the best. You thank you much. so much for coming back. <laughs> Uh, you can find us uh, online uh, across platforms except for Facebook because fuck Facebook. You can find us uh, at BechtelCast uh, on Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. But you can also find us on Twitter, which also sucks. Uh, <laughs> you can also join our Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, where we, uh, for $5 a month, you can get two bonus episodes based on a theme that we choose or you choose and we ignore. Mm. So we're, we're finally going to get around to covering those Jane Austen movies. Just you wait any day now. Just you wait for Austin August, which could yes. happen anytime. Yes. That's you... <laughs> and that's at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. You can go to tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast sure to can. grab some merch. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess let's all uh, time travel back in time to our senior year in high school and oh, see what lessons we might learn. You couldn't pay me to do it. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.